Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe, the number is 94198377. The voluptuous, sorry, I'll start again. The voluptuous pleasure that cycling can give you is delicate, intimate, and ephemeral. It arrives, it takes hold of you, sweeps you up, and then leaves you again. It is for you alone. It is a combination of speed and ease, force and grace. It is pure happiness. And as you ride down that old highway on this lovely, sunny, crisp and crisp Melbourne Monday morning, you're listening to the Yarrabug Radio Show here on 3CR. You're either podcasting it, listening to it in the training in the kitchen, or maybe saving it later to send to a friend. Big show coming up in this um, post-tour malaise, shall we call it? <laughs> no more French scenery for anybody else. The prostate pounding peloton is Paris parked at the moment, so game over. Faith, we're both back. Yes, after a somewhat interrupted uh, broadcast the last few weeks. We've had a little bit of the uh, winter lurgies sweeping through the. Uh, the radio show here at the Arabug. So our apologies for missing a couple of shows, but we're back, ready to go. Faith, good morning. Morning, Val. Anna, good morning. Good morning. Anna's here. We're going to spend a bit of time today talking about women's kit, women's riding, and, of course, we'll touch on La Course, which actually finished last night as well. If anybody sat up to watch um, what was going to be loops around the Champs-Élysées, I did. It was uh, – La Course was a really exciting uh, race last night. Um, lots of rain, so lots of crashes, very small peloton by the time they finally finished. And uh, Anne, is it Anne or Anna van der Berken? Anna. Um, 
winning after leading, I think, from six kilometres out, an amazing finish. But a, a very exciting race. Um, the Orica Green Edge girls also did uh, a big part in making it that exciting with a, a series of attacks that really uh, kept everyone on their toes and kept the pace up. How long's um, I haven't looked into the history. There used to be La Femme Tour, wasn't it, at one stage? It was nearly running alongside the tour for a couple of years. Yeah, and that, is that the one that stopped in the 80s? Or? Uh, I'm trying to remember. That's why yeah. I should have done a bit of research, obviously. <clears throat> but only just one stage then. La Course? Yep. It's Yeah, it's a race held on the last day, and it takes advantage of all the infrastructure that's already set up on the Champs-Élysées, and uh, so pretty much ensures that, unlike most women's racing, it will get broadcast and um, get an audience, which, uh, as we know, is uh, one of the, the trickiest. There's lots of great women's racing out there. It's, um, you know... Well worth showing. Yeah. 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 And, and last night's race was pretty amazing, yeah. yeah. And are you a tour tragic? Um, I, I must confess that I'm not great at those late nights because uh, I'm getting up early in the morning, but I'm probably better at catching the highlights in the morning um, rather than, I guess, sticking it out till the, the early hours. But I, I'm definitely a fan um, and been following La Course as well. Um, it's its second year now, I think, that it's, it's been happening yep. and it's, it's wonderful for women's cycling. Yeah, to, you know, there's an audience there and it's a great chance to actually... Who won last year, the lovely... Um, Mariana, Mariana Boss, who Boss couldn't race it. this yeah. year. So, mm. you know, sad for her, but a great opportunity for lots of other people. Yeah. 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 We should move on to that quintessential moment that happens every once every ten years in our lives as we ride along a bike path somewhere and something strange happens. Faith? <laughs> <laughs> Back from Japan, you must have had a bike moment in Japan. Please tell oh, me. Oh, look, there were several. There we go. Um, okay, okay. There's a, one thing I discovered in Japan is I don't like riding down hills very much. I, I kind of knew this, but I hadn't had the opportunity to know it as well as I knew it, discovered it in Japan, which um, I think I found... I went through one of those despondent moments where it didn't seem to really get better. Um, from one day to the next, and I thought, oh, I'm never going to get over this, you know, and this is going to stop me riding bikes as much as I want, and I was a bit down about it. And then I read um, Tim Crabbe's Dorena, um, The Cyclist, and got halfway into it, and he was talking about, and having all the same thoughts I had, how much he hated riding down hills, and he's in this race, and... Everything he's thinking about this descent that's coming up was all the thoughts I have have riding down these sort of mountains in Nisiko. And suddenly I thought, oh, it's okay. I don't, I'm not going to get over it. I just get used to it. So that was my bike moment. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> which reminds me, I should pay attribution to that quote from this morning. Which is Jean Bobet, of course. Ah, yeah. Somebody who raced professionally but still can see that essential thing that cycling brings us. Anna? Uh, yesterday I joined um, many women around the world, I guess, who were doing the Women's 100. So I joined the Rafa ladies and we did a beautiful course out around Nutfield and Arthur's Creek in the northeast of Melbourne. Um, and 
we had a really dodgy looking weather forecast, but it looks like the uh, the heavens were uh, were looking after us yesterday, and we had a beautiful ride, and everyone got through it, and we all enjoyed a, a, a wonderful day. Ah, there you go. Uh, on a lighter moment, I very rare for me. I had two flat tyres in one week. <laughs> It was really something out of the boot, but the best part about it was they didn't go down till I actually got to work. So, <laughs> so I wasn't in, so I in a bike shop. In a bike shop. <laughs> <laughs> that's lucky. Well, if you're going to get a flat tyre, that's the way to do it. But get two in one week, two different tyres. Two different tyres. And I haven't had a flat tyre, I don't think, for about three and a half years or something. No. So it was a bit of a shock. Are your tyres three and a half years old? Uh, no. Oh, one is. Yeah, one I've had. Um, when I've had a couple of punches in, so... But it's... Anyway. Yep. It's time to just go quietly and ruminate. Oh, and are we... Are we move on to news? We've covered most of it. La course. Yep. We'll move um, on to news. We should touch on Chris Froome winning the... Tour de, Tour France. de France. Yep. About two weeks ago he won it, didn't he? Took the excitement <laughs> out of it a little bit too. Um, still... He's, it's interesting. I'm not sure how you look at it. He's very ungainly on a bike. Isn't he? <laughs> he's very, not the most elegant looking no. cyclist. I know. You know, so when you look at somebody, you know, like Quintana, who seems to be right to bike like a butterfly, mm. you know, that hardly touches yeah. the pedals, but then floats up. Floats up, but then Chris Froome puts a big engine into action looking like a praying mantis <laughs> devouring something and just off he goes. Gets the job done. He could be riding a Brompton with the gear he does it in too. It's like... I think when we, were t- when we were talking before, sometimes you, it does lose a little bit of the interest. As you say, two weeks to go, Froome's actually virtually unassailable. Yeah, and things can change, but I found several nights... You know, as the sky machine kicks into action, which was admirable and amazing to watch, but after, you know, so many nights, you thought, okay, again. But what I liked about this tour was um, most nights there was a little subplot going on that was really exciting and had all that sort of the old-fashioned romance and, you know, so there was something else to watch and... um, Keep track of with the a lot of the success of the um, African team. Yep, and the excuse me, the French guy winning um, on I've forgotten the day. Wasn't Bastille Day, was it? No. Anyway, there was a lot of really good rides and and subplots, Mm. you know, in the narrative of the Tour de France this year. So a few breakaways who won, yeah, which was always something good and. I'm trying to remember now how many French winners have stages. Four. Four or five, I think, four, yeah. which is um, very good for or encouraging for French yeah. cycling. Yeah. Uh, scenery was terrible. <laughs> good weather. Good weather. <laughs> Except for last night. Yeah, it was yes. pretty awful. <laughs> and we should touch on that. They didn't ride around the cobblestones because it was a little bit too dangerous for the men. <laughs> um, I'm... I think I think it was neutralised. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, which is fair enough. Yeah. Um, just on, I hate to bring this up, but I, I think I should. Nobody. There was the normal mutterings that um, Chris Froome's got to be on something to produce those sort of rides, and that was heard about oh, ten days ago. It started mm. a little bit in earnest, which is always a little bit disappointing. 
Well, that's the legacy. And yeah. Yeah. It is. And a tweet from Mr. Armstrong at that time. Yes. Questioning Chris Froome's performance with the quote at the end of it. But what would I know about it? I thought it was a rather indelicate um, intervention. Probably right down his alley, actually. Anyway, <laughs> let us move on. <laughs> and getting away from racing, just for a bit, um, there was some news this week from Port, City of Port Phillip who uh, released a, a media release about... Um, they've done a survey of bike riders who use St Kilda Road and um, I think it came out that half of riders have had to dodge car doors over the past two years and almost one in five has been hit by a door. So the City of Port Phillip are calling um, for separated bike lanes along St Kilda Road, which is a very tricky stretch because it involves three different councils and Vic Roads, who are the main controllers of the area. So, um, And I think still number one in the accident... Um, area as far as bicycles are concerned. Yeah. Which is a bit of funny. Just on another note, Yarra Council are trying to fix up the bike trails at Rushall Station. Mm. You might know that there's a meaning of the Capital City Trail there, the Merry Creek Trail is not far away. And the Yarra Council are trying to clean it up a little bit and put in a couple of paths. I'd encourage you to get onto the Yarra Council website and find out what's going on. There was a meeting last week at the Council. Um, it looks a little bit at the moment as if they're not going to get it through. Um, so if there's a call for expressions or input into it, I'd encourage all the cyclists in Melbourne to at least have a look at it and put some input into it. And there seems to be a bit of a backlash uh, in the local area against residents having more cycles coming through Russell Station. And Anna today is in the studio with us to talk about, um, besides bike moments and racing, uh, Fondo, which is her and uh, two other women's brand of women's specific cycling kit. Um, It might, sometimes it seems to me out on the streets these days, it looks like there's a lot of people making kit compared to five years ago, but it's pretty rare when um, to see a kit that's been designed specifically for women. So uh, maybe, Anna, you could start off by telling us a bit about what inspired you all to do this. Sure. So Emma, Kate and I, we used to work together and we all started cycling together at about the same time. And I guess like everyone who's starting out riding a bike, you go through the motions of buying gear and and you don't understand what you need you know we learnt to clip in together we learnt to I guess pick up our water bottle whilst we're riding together and and we also went through the motions of purchasing cycling kit together and we really found it difficult to find anything that was I guess fit well and also looked good we found that there were a lot of brands out there that were um, trying to do a women's product but they didn't really understand what we were after and and, and we use a, a term, pink it and shrink it. it. It just felt like they tried to make something that was pink or smaller than what, what the guys were wearing. So we joked about one day we'd do it ourselves. And I guess 12 months ago it actually <laughs> happened. And here we are now. We're 12 months in and we've just launched our second range. And it's a fairly um, distinctive kit. I guess that's a, one of the great things about the times we're in. It's it's okay to go a bit nuts with your kit. Um 
Like it's, I think one thing I noticed looking for women's kit is that they can be fit a fairly narrow range of designs, whereas you guys have really gone out there and done something different. Yeah, we we try to fill a gap where there's the opportunity for women to wear something really bright and make a statement and and be fashion conscious, but still wear something that's comfortable and and technically really good quality on the bike so they can they can still get out what they want and, and perform well and be comfortable but then they'll look good too and so what is it that makes the kit specific to women rather than just you know being a smaller version of a man's yeah there's, there's a big difference in the chamois that a woman would wear compared to a man as you can imagine there's different things happening downstairs so we cater to that um, but also we're a very different shape uh, women tend to to have carry weight a, a bit more around their bottoms, whereas the guys don't, um, and we're narrow across the shoulders, and, and often need some more room across the chest. So it's just considering these uh, areas of the female anatomy that that aren't the same as men, and it's not as simple as just making a little bit smaller because it's just not going to be as comfortable. And were you able to find um, a manufacturer who? is doing all that or did you have to really start from scratch even with them no there's there's we found a manufacturer that is doing that i guess we um we really put a focus on it though whereas um some other brands might start from the men's range and then then they'll pick something for the women we we found um that working for the women first is giving us a much better result so um instead of excuse me yeah, instead of, um, yeah, like I was saying, trying to pink it and shrink it, um, we were focusing on things that we know that women want. So it could be wider leg bands on the legs and um, a bit of a longer sleeve on the arms so that they're not getting that dreaded arm warmer gap. <laughs> Some things are the same in both genders. No gaps. <laughs> are there any? Um, I'm not. Don't want to take this in a you know commercial land. But there are anybody who is very good at designing women's kit. If we step away from the graphics and and just step into actually the fit and how it does. Is yeah, I think well? um, Rafa has been around for almost 10 years now and they do a really good job of women's um, apparel and, and, and we recognise that. So we don't try to compete against them. They're very uh, classic with their cut and their colouring. So that's why I think we try to complement brands like that that are doing it really well by offering something much louder and, and more unique. What would you... In the, and you've been writing for a while now. Is it in the last couple of years? What's the upsurge? And let's stick to road bikes, like the ride you rode yesterday. What's the upsurge like? To be honest, I've actually only been riding for about three years, so I haven't really seen a marked growth. I've probably been that marked, <laughs> been growth. That marked growth. Yeah, so uh, I guess that's a, a testament to to the, how the industry is is forming. When when we started out, there was very few companies doing women's bikes or or women's cycling shoes but now everyone's doing it and they're really focusing their marketing effort and their product development on women because I think they're finally realizing that it's such an opportunity and it's it's something we've commented on before like in terms of events there seems to be at the moment a real well if I can't find what I want I'll just do it myself like if you're thinking about dirty deeds you know, there's no cyclocross to race in Australia. Well, let's 
do it. Um, and, and this seems to be another instance of, well, I haven't been able to find what I want. And instead of sitting at home whinging about it, let's go out and do it. Was there – have you guys done that in other respects or is, do you think it's something that the cycling, it was unique to how you felt about cycling or – No, I think it's um – it's not just like like we were saying before. It's it's not just um, apparel. It, it's also um, other related bike clothing, but also with bike rides. I think these days as well, there are a lot more um, more interesting women's rides available too. So maybe traditionally a, a woman's ride might be a, a ride out to Mordialic and back, <laughs> and it would be a, a pretty leisurely pace. But now um, every, everyone's offering things that are a bit more challenging and, and really pushing the girls to, to achieve things that they might not otherwise have done. And um, oh, I've forgotten what I was thinking of just then. <laughs> nice to have kit with no logos on it, isn't it? Well, it's, it's got a well-placed logo. It's the, Yeah, we've, the, we've got a – we'll never shy away from putting a logo <laughs> in our kit, but we're never going to drown it in um, in logos like a, a race kit might traditionally yeah. look like. Uh, I mean, it's it, it's lovely sometimes, not lovely sometimes, to go out for a ride and you seem to be surrounded by people in team kit, which is every ad that the team actually yeah. has as well – Every sort of space on the jersey, every bit on the shorts is covered in somebody's, whether it's a wheel manufacturer or somebody else. Yeah. It's a bit ordinary. And um, I was wondering, watching the tour highlights this year, was there a kit you particularly admired? Oh, that's an interesting <laughs> question. Um, I actually really like the Saxabank kit. I know it, it's pretty loud and crazy, but I like what they've done with the uh, the uh, military print on it. I think it's really interesting, <laughs> but but it's pretty loud. I'm conscious yeah. of that, but I guess Fondo's loud too. Yeah, so. yeah. And, I mean, one thing you always hear from um, especially smaller brands uh, uh, when people ask them why they don't have women's kit is that they – they don't get enough sales to justify it. Um, so how's it been for Fondo? I mean, it, you've brought out your second. Yeah, we've brought out yeah. our second range. <laughs> um, I think that being, we're almost cutting ourselves short doing only women's cycling apparel yeah. because the market isn't as big as it is for the men. But that said, it, it's definitely growing um, and We've, exp- we've had a lot of growth. Um, our second range, I think in three hours, we sold more kit than we'd sold in three months when we started. So part of that's natural progression of a business growing, but I think it's also, um, I guess, really showing that there's there's a, a growing market for women out there as well. Yeah. And if it's locally designed. Yeah, we've had I mean, a lot of support from yeah, Melbourne yeah. cyclists. Uh, words getting out there, and, and people are, are loving our product, and they're telling their friends, and they've heard our story, and I think they're really trying to support what we're trying to achieve as well. And the fact you you know you don't need to own bricks and mortar to sell anything nowadays, which means you can really ma- micromanage exactly where your audi- where your market is, makes a big difference too, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, and we can control that um, user experience a little bit more too, so we have more of a 
uh, yeah, control over the way that people receive their products and the experience that they have in in deciding what size they want to wear or or how their their kit should fit. I guess that's a benefit of of doing it all yourself um, is that you can control that sort of thing. And you're not rely, you know, in some respects, you're not reliant on worldwide sales to actually make make a nice kit and produce something yeah. that wasn't there before. Definitely, that said, our first sale yeah. was in uh, California, <laughs> so we're definitely <laughs> hitting an international <laughs> market. The worldwide web, of course, brings us all together. It certainly and does. The, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, this allows things like these to happen. Mm. You know, yeah. women's rights, all this sort of thing is much better run by people locally, we're talking about um, cyclocross, it's a completely local sort of feel to it. But fueled by Instagram. I yeah, think, Instagram's yeah, a powerful tool. <laughs> we are, we're running a, a ambassador competition at the moment, which has just been promoted through Instagram, where we're calling for women around the world to apply to be Fondo ambassadors. And we've received so many applications from places like Aruba and Sweden and Slovakia, places that we didn't realise we were reaching, but we have just through something so simple like Instagram. <laughs> and quality, good-looking kid makes a difference too definitely yeah well i think it's that thing yeah something that can capture your imagination or you can get excited about rather than just oh well that's the least horrible (laughs) (laughs) all right we're not considered the least horrible (laughs) um it's yeah i think that's you know you see people just being drawn to that you know instantly what about the worst kid on the tour Oh, There's some pretty ordinary ones. Sarah, got to say. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm not going to pick any <laughs> favourites. <You're> so polite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, and if anyone wants to check out the range, um, you're yeah. at fondocycling.com.au? fondo.com.au. We've also right. got some of our um, kits stocked at Peak Cycles in Heidelberg. Okay, and then you'll be actually be able to try them on. Exactly. And, yeah. Or on Instagram. Yeah, on Instagram, yeah. and we're on Facebook and Twitter as well, yeah. so you can follow us. Our handle is Fondo Cycling. And we'll put a link up on the podcast. Yeah, definitely. Can. Yeah. And good to have you on again. You're a repeat customer. I'm a repeat uh, <laughs> guest here. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Val. No, no, no. Good to have you back. It's great. And I'm used to riding down Napier Street every morning where it's 70% women and 30% men. So you get you start to see that actually f- making sure that everything's a little bit more amenable to people makes people get out and do things a bit better. Mm. Anyway... What's coming up? What event can I get my little bottom to this week? <laughs> Sorry, I'll rephrase well, that. the end of this week, there's a couple of choices. Uh, Friday night, there's the projector bike ride, the Abbotsford edition. So that'll be setting out from Abbotsford Convent um, at 7.30pm. Um, and the details for that, I'm hesitating because it says here that the start and finish are at 730 the same time. Yeah. So um, best to go to bikefund.org. And you'll be able to check there all the details for the projector bike ride. Now, one of the big things that's happening in the cycling world is, I'm not sure whether it's a push for you to buy yourself a new bike, but um, adventure touring or gravel grinding has become very big. If you want a little bit of few insights into this, there's a slide night at commuter cycles on Wednesday night. 
Uh, Will Hartnett, the manager there, has went for a ride from Alice Springs back down to Darwin and Alice Springs to Adelaide, I should say. And that chat's on at uh, Commuter Cycle 7.32, 9pm, Wednesday the 29th. And also on Friday is the July full moon rides, and uh, so that'll be setting out from Glen Waverley Railway Station at 7.30pm and riding till around about 1130 so you can find all the details for that also at bikefun.org.au. One more event. In two weeks, a little bit over two weeks, uh, the Essendon Fields are hosting the 2015 National Cross Champs at uh, Fields of Joy. So that'll be a big weekend, 8th and 9th of August. Um, and good to pencil in your diary now. Cycling Cross is just getting bigger and bigger. It is. It's it huge. Is. It's huge. And that's all we have time for today. You can tell I haven't done this for a while. Two weeks. Um, You've lost it. (laughs) I think two shows is four weeks. Um, 3CR relies on volunteers to bring these programs to you and we rely on donations from our listeners. So if you'd like to make a donation or subscribe, you can do so at 3cr.org.au. It would be great if you mentioned Yarra Bug in the drop-down box when you do mention that. Um, make your donation um, and we'll be back or Chris and Steve will be back next week Val and I will be back in a fortnight hopefully and coming up next is Dirt Radio You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia For more information go to allthews.3cr.org.au